We believe on Wednesday night anything can happen. We had a powerful move of God, both services on Sunday. I'm very glad to be in the church tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Stand to your feet for the reading of the word of the Lord. Last week I told you I would continue into this week talking about the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. Verse 33 of Luke chapter 10. Amen. It's good to see Cade here tonight. He was uh, prayed in the altar, was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost on Sunday night. Aren't we so glad about that? Come on, we're not practicing tonight. How many are glad about seeing another name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Amen. We're so glad that they are here and uh, just uh, thankful for what I feel. Do you believe that greater things are yet to come? Amen. I told you, be careful where you spend your passions because if we're not careful, we will spend our passions in areas that only distract us from our purpose. I talked about football and sports and things and and, uh, I've noticed that in a trend of American culture that, oh, we can't, you know, we can't have great church during the summer because it's vacation season. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. People take a five-day vacation and miss two Sundays. It's a different day today. How many know it's truth? And uh, always need a vacation. Had three, but I got to have the fourth. Yeah, four. I got to have a f- five, fifth. If we're not careful, we will spin ourselves out of our divine purpose, losing momentum. Everybody say momentum. Let me throw something else at you while you're standing after a weary day's work. We have to understand as well that if we're not careful, we can't have great harvest during the summer because it's vacation season. We get to fall. We can't have a great harvest. We can't get involved in revival. Why? Because it's football season. It's sports. My, but all, my kids and all, all these things can't be at church. Then we get to the winter. We can't do it after football season. You know why? Because it's winter months now. And, and then, then at the end of winter, you got spring and it's cookout season. I'm sorry. Till the whole year is spent and souls aren't being saved. We got to put Calvary at the top again. We got to make Jesus the center of our lives. How many want his heartbeat to be your heartbeat? How many want to keep the momentum? Amen. Praise the Lord. Before we read his word, I want us to open our heart to his word. Would you lay your Bibles down and lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, we need you today. Oh, we need you today. You are so good to us. You really are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, we pray, God, a moving of your spirit upon this congregation of believers. In Jesus' name we pray. Let our heart be open to your word. Somebody say amen. The book of Luke chapter 10 verse 33 says, But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, where the man that was beaten, left half dead, robbed was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Amen. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast. I think last week I said he put him in his Honda. That's right. He put him in his own vehicle, didn't he? And brought him to an inn to the church and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. You will never invest in a soul that he doesn't give it all back. We've never had one event where we invested in souls that God didn't provide it all back. I may believe he cares about people. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. I like to preach on the second part tonight of what I started last week on the purpose of the church. Everybody say the purpose of the church. God, I pray a blessing over this congregation. 
Let there be a moving of your spirit, God, that falls upon us tonight. I pray that we will understand what really matters, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before you're seated, step across the aisle and shake somebody's hand. Maybe step a few rows back and greet somebody you haven't seen or don't know their name. Ask them their name. You haven't seen them in a while. Let them know that you missed them. If you're watching online, we wish you were here tonight. Such a great touch of the Lord that's in this building. That's it, step back and greet somebody. Get their name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, if you see somebody new, go up and greet them. Go shake somebody's hand. Don't rush it tonight. Praise God. Glory to God. The Lord's good, isn't he? Amen, 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 amen. Absolutely. Jesus had her fiance passed away. Would you pray with me right now? We're going to ask God. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would move upon her spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for who you are. We're praying that you would move upon her and comfort her tonight and give her the strength that she We're so glad that this family's here. Would you thank God that they're here with us tonight? God's going to touch them mightily. Be seated. I got some good news for you. And I've already told you last Sunday that the harvest is when? When is the harvest? Amen. What did I say that when a sinner repents, what should we do? You should celebrate. Isn't that right? Amen. Now, now, now listen. And the first time in probably 14 years that we've had something to happen like we've had tonight, three people from our Irish class were baptized just before service. The harvest is now. Oh, isn't it worth getting excited about? Hallelujah. And there's more. That's it, Brother Gene. It's a breakthrough. Hallelujah. We're glad about it. We've been singing about it. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Aren't we glad that they're here in the church with us? Aren't we glad that God has given them a chance for eternity, for salvation? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. The problem The problem in Luke 10 and verse 30 says a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves. He was stripped of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. The thieves came in and just sort of had their way and stripped him, shamed him, left him empty and left him broken, left him for dead. I mean, no, that's the devil. That's that's culture. 
It gets a hold of a person and it, it takes them. I, I've watched people, their lives get run through the mud till they get broken all the way down till stripped of everything they have. Lose everything, their family, their children. When it's done, the devil just throws them aside and casts them aside. I remember a person that was a preacher's wife and I knew them very very well and she walked away from God and when she did, her life went down just as far as you can imagine. It all started with just a few minor questions about doctrine and what we believe and a few of the things that we stand for and it ended up until she was a part of a rock band. She's, she's lost her family. She's lost her children and now she's singing for the devil in reality and her, her life, uh, the name of her group was even talking about sin and life was ravished and I thought to myself and I was talking to a mutual friend and they said, how in the world does something ever happen like this? I said, because it's the nature of the devil. He doesn't just want to take you out. He wants to drag you and shame you in every way that he can. That's why you find the prodigal that when he got to the lowest point, he was in a pig pen, in a pigsty, about to eat. I'm talking about a king's kid was down to nothing, having nothing, couldn't fend for himself, very hungry. Nobody at that point even, even gave to him. You hear me, the nature of the enemy is to steal. It, the nature of the enemy is to destroy. The nature of the enemy tonight would love to do nothing more than the people in our lives, in our community, to just shame them. Leave them on a side corner somewhere, half dead. I'll never forget when I was driving up Pine Street. Let me preach what I feel for this city tonight. Lakin and I coming up Pine Street, come up near Prospect Avenue and just got beyond, I forget what street it was, on the left. And I looked and I saw a man slumped over in his car. I did a U-turn, turned back around. Some of you remember me telling the story. Did a U-turn, turned around and went back because I knew something was wrong. Lakin said, Daddy, this, this was, well, she's 15, it's three years ago. Oh, Daddy, what, what, what are you doing? What are you turning around for? I said, Lincoln, there's something wrong with this man, this person I see. And I put up in the car beside of him and he was humped over the, a car and, and here he is, his life. Something has happened and I can't find a, a heartbeat on him. I, every 45 seconds he, he would breathe and oh, the enemy had somehow got a hold of this man's life. We called 911. My daughter's there seeing this go on and I thought the enemy would love to do everything he can to destroy everybody in this building. But I'm going to tell you, between that, 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 that person that's left half dead and the leftover of the enemy, I'm glad to tell you, it's not just some priest going some on just some walk. It's not just some uh, Levite that was born to minister, yet he doesn't care. I'm glad to tell you, in this building, there's a good Samaritan that's on a journey. He's on a journey. He's going somewhere. He's not just hanging out. He's not, just, he's not just pedigreed in the church. He's not just here because he has to because that's just how mama showed me too. That's just how daddy did. We just go to church. No, this good Samaritan, he didn't have a position and he did not have pedigree. You know what he had? He had compassion. There was something in him that when he saw somebody broken, he didn't judge them because of their brokenness. He realized they need what I have and I happen to have what they need. Do you believe tonight we have what our community needs? It's Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. How many believe he's all that we need tonight? That song says, I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad, but he took my sins away. I'm preaching to you right now, there is an enemy of the soul. He will do everything that he can to drag you away down to a road of destruction. But I haven't come to preach about the devil tonight. I've come to talk about Jesus tonight, and he's a master carpenter. He can take all of your broken pieces and put it back together. He's a master builder. He can take what nobody else can fix and he can fix tonight. Somebody shout Jesus. Amen, amen. The old building in Crooksville was broken. The beam was broken. We weren't allowed to have church there because of, of the structure that had been damaged. We sought and we looked and found the company that 
found an engineer and it just so happened Lee Pies specializes in fixing broken buildings. They come in there with an engineer and we got some things supported up. Had the support, it cost $36,000 to support that building up just so they could look at it. That's how bad shape it was. The building was broken, but it needed supported before we could fix it. Sometimes you got to understand there's a lot of people in our community that they're very, very broken, but they need supported before they get fixed. They don't need condemned. They need supported. When they walk into church and they got needle scars in their arms, they don't need condemned. They need supported. Could I tell you when somebody comes in, they got alcohol in their blood. They don't need condemned. They need supported. You know why? Because if we can support them long enough, we know the master carpenter who can fix what nobody else can fix tonight. Everybody else is thrown away. Everybody else is cast to the side. Brother Nehemiah, that's why we have had what is one judge says is the most successful alcohol chemical treatment program in the city. We've got a letter where he said this is the most uh, uh, successful that we have. And I want you to understand why do we have that in a church building? Because Jesus did not come to die for the righteous, for the physician, the sick. It's not those that are well that need a physician, but those that are sick. I thank God for every person in this church that's seeking God to be a counselor and a, and a chemical dependence counselor. And we got several in the church that are doing it. I'm so glad about that. Continue your education. But I'll say to every counselor in the building, we thank God for you. But never forget the element that it's not going to be intellect that brings them out of bondage. It's going to be putting their hand in the hand of God. Let me tell you what, I'm on it, preachers. I want y'all to listen to me. I've learned my role some years ago. It's not my role as a preacher to preach you a pretty sermon. It's my role to get your faith to look at him. And when faith becomes elevated to look on Jesus, the Holy Ghost responds. It's my job to put your hands in his hand and I step back just like I did Sunday night and let you and God have a moment where he reaches into your situation and begins to change what the devil's been trying to destroy. I believe tonight, on a Wednesday night, if I, got, I could just get everybody in this building to believe that there's a moment that God will put his hand toward your faith and when you reach toward him, I could step back and he can do what Aaron Bounds can never do he could do what these ministers can never do because only Jesus can satisfy, can heal the soul. Clap your hands and praise him tonight. Amen. Somebody shout Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. I was thinking over the years, Brother Gene, where you at? I saw you running the aisles. Jump up, Brother Gene. How many years was it? 30 years of addiction, God. God, God turned it around. Look, look what the Lord has done. Amen. You represent one of thousands of what God's about to do in Ohio. Just one of thousands. Amen. They're going to come in. They're going to come in drunk, but they're going to leave sober, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How many believe that? They're gonna come in smelling like reefer, but when they leave the building, they're gonna say, I've never felt so full. I've never felt so free. I've never felt so happy. That's the purpose of the church. Somebody shout the church. Amen. You go to church. If you go to church and everybody looks saved, they're probably not. Church shouldn't be filled with righteous people. It ought to be righteous and unrighteous people. Why? Because the righteous people have been finding people that needed God and brought them with him. How about this? People that have had an experience with God are an element of truth. They're reaching for people to bring them closer to God. I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to get closer to him. And there's a whole community of people that love God, but there's more for them like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He didn't have the fullness of truth. 
He loved God. He gave alms to the people. Prayed to God always. But he did not have truth. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Acts 10 that he wasn't even saved. Acts 11, referring to it, says he was not saved. Did he pray? Yes. Did he have faith? Yes. Did he give to the poor? Yes. Was he saved? Acts 11 says he wasn't saved. Because there was more for him to do. That's why when Peter was speaking the word of God to him, the Bible says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Man, I feel like preaching. And they had the circumcision which believed were astonished as men as came with Peter because on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them. Everybody shout, commanded them. Baptism isn't optional. It is a commandment. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him tarry certain days. That's what it says. And when you begin to understand that the church is a place for people of all faith, people of all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all ages to come to, to get closer to God. That's what we should all be striving for. Not religious traditions, but a move of the spirit. Come on, how many of you know you can be religious and lost? I can show you Pharisees and Sadducees that believed in God and had phylacteries and verses hanging off of their, off of their garments and they were lost. Jesus called them dead men's bones. You look good on the outside, but inside you're dead. You're religious. You don't even, you don't, you don't have a relationship with God. He even showed some that were religious, but he said, you got sin in your heart. I mean, no, it's not about that outside. It's not about that religious routine that makes us safe. It's about your heart being right with God. And the church ought to be a place where we come to to get right with him. So let me preach what I've been preaching for years. If you sin, don't run away from the church. You ought to run to the church. If you make a mistake, don't run away from God. Run to God. Somebody say amen. There's enough mercy in this place to forgive an entire world of sin. There's enough blood that is shed on the cross to wash away every sin of every sinner in the world. You just gotta believe he can forgive me and wash away my sins. Clap your hands and shout to the Lord. Amen, amen. It ought to be a place that people understand that I'm not gonna be condemned or judged. I'm gonna be loved and forgiven. It ought to be a safe place. Everybody say the purpose of the church. I've referred to it a, a few times but over the years, but I, I, I feel in, in teaching and preaching to prepare us for a harvest. You don't walk in a hospital. You, you ever go to a hospital? They're always cleaning. Waxing floors and little yellow folded signs up that say the wet area, you know, just mopped. I stayed in the hospital two weeks one time when I was 12. I don't know how many times a day they come in cleaning that floor, irritate me. Let me know what I'm talking about. You can't sleep good in the hospital, let's just be honest. Coming in, excuse me, excuse me, gotta get the trash out of here. Pull up under the bed, wiping everything down. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about? They're always cleaning. You know what they're doing? They're disinfecting. They're trying to keep disease out. They're trying to keep... Uh, Disinfectants out. They're trying to keep everything clean. The ambulance pulls up. You, you imagine taking your bleeding child, rushing and their blood going all over the floor, and somebody screams, Stop! Get him out of here! I just washed the floor! The ambulance pulls in. You got a soiled body. They stink. They've been in an accident. Blood's running out of them. And they get in the custodian says, no, I just finished mopping. They're not going to do that. You know why? Because the whole reason it's clean is so the hurting can get healed. So here goes. Yes, 
You better clean the halls of your heart. You better clean the avenues of your mind. You need to make sure you're a righteous people. But when a sinner walks into the church, you can't feel like they're gonna infect that which you've been cleaning. No, you come on in. We got enough righteousness for you to get delivered. We've been fasting and praying and seeking God so you can find truth. I had somebody told me one time, they said, I went to a church, there's only about 20, he said, there's only about 25 people there. My mom and I went to church and we walked in there and the guy was talking about being friendly and he said, we went into the church, nobody talked to us. After the sermon, nobody talked to us because we were strangers. Look at your neighbor say, stranger danger. I've been to churches where holiness, holiness was preached from a concept of isolation. Oh, no sinners come to the church. They missed it. Jesus did as much explaining why he was with sinners. He wasn't worried about being contaminated. Are y'all hearing what I'm preaching? He was a friend of sinners. Now there's a difference between friends and fellowship. The Bible says no light hath no fellowship with darkness. Jesus wasn't gonna let a sinner influence him, speak it into his life, tell him how he should live. I'm not gonna want, I don't wanna be entertained by sinners. My goodness, here I go again. Coming into my life, tell me how to live, what I need to accept, what I need to do, decisions I need to make. Psalms 1.1 says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't want no sinner telling me how to make my decisions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't want them speaking in my life. But just because I don't want them leading me doesn't mean I can't reach for them. And you gotta understand, God is looking for a church. He can trust with people that he gave his life for. People that are broken, people that are busted. I know what I'm preaching because I feel like we're gonna see thousands come to him in the next short period of time. But somebody's gonna fall in love with broken people. When's the last time you wept over a sinner? When's the last time you, you wept over somebody broken? When's the last time you complained about our city? If we're not careful, we'll forget that this is the promised land that God called us to. This is the land that God called me to be a part of. We can talk about demographics and could I tell you, you need to quit complaining about the city. And start understanding this is where God has placed you to minister and to reach people at. Do you believe God has you here for a divine purpose? Somebody shout amen. amen. You may be seated. The purpose of the church. In the book of Luke as well, turn over a few chapters. I'm obviously stirred to the core tonight. Stirred to the core. There's over 7 billion people in the world and most of them are lost. That's the truth. In Luke 15, it says a man, a certain man had two sons. This is the story of the prodigal. I'll tell it in short form just in case there's somebody here that hasn't heard that. The story of the prodigal was a son came to him and he said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me and he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He took everything he had and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Just took everything he had. Everything poured in him. Gathered everything belonged to him and wasted it in Luke 15. Everybody say wasted. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to waste any part of my life. No part. You couldn't convince him. He's, he's rebellious and when it's been all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. You know what I've always noticed? Famines always follow those that leave the Father's house. A famine means no rain, no blessing, no favor. 
It all dries up. Heaven becomes sheep. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine and he began to be in want, need. I think of the story, the Psalms 23, the Lord of my shepherd, I shall not. But if you leave, you're going to be in want. God of mercy, I feel like preaching. I feel an evangelistic spirit upon me. I feel prophetic anointing upon me tonight. If you leave, there will be a famine and nothing satisfies. The Bible says, I, I read it the other day in, in uh, um, I believe it was Haggai. He said, you're going to eat and it won't satisfy. You preached it one time, you remember that? He said, you're going to drink, it's going to satisfy. He said, you're going to put money in bags that have holes in it. Nothing that you do is going to fulfill any aspect of what you're looking for. And he would fain have, the Bible says, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. The lowest job for a Jew was a slop hog because they're not even allowed to eat swine, pig, pork. Are y'all listening? You haven't turned me off, have you? Is this someone back there, Brother Jones? The lowest job, and that's where he goes. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk, the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he's broke, he's alone. Nobody gives. That's the culture where the thief ended up. Where the, where the, not the thief, but Luke 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, where the man that was robbed ended up. All of a sudden, no man's giving. What are they doing? Everybody say, now it's taking. Culture will take from you, not give it to you. When it came to himself, that's mercy. No famines, no reality. God sends the famine. Did you hear me? Look at your neighbor and say, God will send the famine. And the famine is the wake-up call to show you what really is going on around you. Famines cause people to come to themselves. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and despair, and I perish with what? Everybody say hunger. Look at your neighbor and say, you've never been so hungry as you'll be when you leave. You ain't even, thought, you ain't even sensed hunger until you leave God. You don't know misery till you get it out there. You know, I've never seen a happy backslider, not once. Not once. I want everybody to say this verse with me. The way of the transgressor is hard. That means it's a hard road. That means when you know better, but you do it. It is a road of transgression. It's a hard road. I preach in warning tonight. I preach in warning tonight because while we're about to see the greatest harvest, there's going to be a falling away. The devil's going to do it. Hey, have we ever been so tempted as we are in 2019? Come on, have we ever lived in, in a more uh, chaotic uh, uh, world? Than, come on. In the history, no, no, everything's at our fingertips. Information, demonic spirits, right there at our fingertips. We have access to anything, anywhere in the world. I could talk to somebody in China, I could call them, and three seconds after the, I hit the number, can talk to somebody on the other side of the world. I can communicate, connect, whatever, from all over the world. We've never had it so easy to fall away. And I hear tonight a voice that says, be careful in the last days perilous times shall come. Everybody shout dangerous times. He said, living in a hog pen with mud all over him, manure all around him. He came, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare and I perish. I'm dying with hunger. Watch what he says. I love this. Sister Powell, it's one of the greatest statements in all of scripture. He said, I will arise and go to my father. I'm at my lowest point. 
but I go to the Father. I don't want people to think of me in their backslidden state. I don't even want them to think of this church in a backslidden state. But let me tell you what I want them to think. At the anchor, you can find the Father there. The Father's there. The love of God is there. Come on, the love of the Father's there. He won't reject me. He'll receive me. He'll forgive me. He'll heal me. And I preach to you that what we need to portray in everything we do, whether we're playing the organ or the guitar or the keys or you're an usher or you're a hostess or you're one of the saints here, we ought to portray the love of the Father. Everything we do is keeping this place clean so the prodigal can say, I know the atmosphere there. I can go to my Father. Somebody shout, I go to the Father. Look at your neighbor and say, you gotta get busy because they're coming home. He goes on to say, and I'm paraphrasing, you can be seated. He goes on to say a few things like, like uh, uh, when I go home, when I go to my father, when I get there, I, I'm going to say to him, I'm no longer worthy. See, that's the reason people don't come home sooner. It's not that they like it out there. They just feel unworthy here. Everybody shout unworthy. How many of you ever went to church you thought everybody's looking at you? They're not. You just think they are. One guy, one guy one time, he got real mad at my daddy. My dad was an evangelist. He got real mad at dad. And he got real mad at the preacher for telling dad what he had been doing. So he made an appointment with the pastor, with my dad there. He said, I need to talk to you. And he looked at the pastor, and this is what he said. He said, Pastor, I can't believe that you would tell this man what I did and he'd get up there and preach about it. Then it hit him in midstream. He realized he hadn't even told the preacher what he'd been doing. God had his number. God knew what he had been doing. God knew the life he was living. I think it's powerful because aren't you glad God does know you? He does know where you're at. Come on, and while you was in your sin, he died for you. And while you was messing up, he reached for you. That's love. That's what that is. That's the love of God. Somebody shout the love of God. Amen. Brother Nehemiah, would you do me a favor? You, 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 you're at the Father's house, and if you don't mind, you got an ironing board in front of you. No, no, you know, you, you, I got to teach him how to iron tonight. You got an ironing board. You got the you got the robe, the father's robe in there. If you could, you gotta, well, you gotta. No, no, you had a little bit too much pressure in there. You're gonna, you gotta do a little bit light, you know. When I was an evangelist, you know what I'd do? I'd iron right there and right there because they couldn't see my sleeves. I kept my jacket on all the time. That's the evangelist ironing. I'm gonna tell you something that happened one time. I was engaged to Cindy. I am at the. Hey, 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 hey! No, you can't sit down. You gotta keep that. The castle, get over there. Would you go feed that calf? My goodness, we got a calf. The Bible says a fatted calf. Get over and feed that calf. Amen. He's laughing at you, so I got him involved. Hey, glory. <laughs> He's done that before. I don't have to tell him how to feed a cow. I was getting ready. Sidney and I, it was, it was uh, uh, I, I forget what it was. It was something that when we were engaged yet, my, my grandmother, I think, had, had passed away is what it was, and she was getting ready for something else the same weekend. I, I believe we had a wedding shower or something of that nature. And, and Cindy said, hey, Aaron, real quick, would you iron this blouse for me? I'm engaged. Everything was hectic and rushing. I said, sure, I, I'll do it. And I did like this, and I was ironing her blouse, and I looked up, all my uncles were looking at me. He's in trouble. <laughs> He's already ironing the blouse for her, Amen. Well, the prodigal was out there in the bar somewhere. Somebody was taking care of the road that was going to be put on him when he got home. Somebody else in the church was taking care of the calf for when he get home, they're going to eat it and throw a party. Somebody else was making sure the ring is shined and the shoes would be ready because he's coming home. I know he's gone, but he's coming home. 
When he comes home, the church is going to be in the best condition it's ever been. When he comes home, the church is going to be expecting. Come on, the church isn't giving up. The church is expecting. Somebody shout, I'm expecting them to come home. Oh, I wish two or three, four or 20 of you jump up on your feet and look at your neighbor and say, I'm expecting your family member to come back to the church. Come on, I'm expecting your son to come. Come on, anybody feel what I'm preaching? I'm expecting them to come to the church. Come on, jump to your feet and clap your hands with me tonight. The purpose of the church is to have expectation for the sinner to be saved. We're not giving up on you. We'll reach for you again and again and again. Woo, somebody shout woo. It ought to be that way in church. Doesn't matter if it's Wednesday or Sunday. Y'all gotta remain standing. If you may remain standing, you give hope to everybody. I'm finished preaching. Somebody gotta keep the ring clean. You see, I started preaching like this in 2006. I had somebody ironing a, a robe, somebody up here shining the shoe the whole time I was preaching. Had the lights dimmed, had the stage lights lit. Somebody feeding a cow. I had people taking care of the robe and ironing board up here. And I said, what I'm saying tonight, they're coming home. And in 2008, spirit of prophecy really come over. It wasn't long until Rod Hoffman sat right there in that seat. And he said, I'm home. 23 years, 22 years out of the church, home. Here come uh, uh, Bill Walters and Aaron Walters, 23 years out of the church. Here came Tony Richard, 22 years out of the church. Here came Christy, 23 years out of the church. Christy Coleman, one after another, began to come back to the Lord. Here came Debbie Lemon, 50 years out of the church that died saved just a few months ago. What am I preaching? The purpose of the church is to fold our arms and give up. No, we're believing every day. We're expecting for another sinner to come home. I want everybody to look at those doors back there. Come on, turn around and look at the doors. I want you to shout, they're coming. Come on, prophesy out of the doors. They're coming. They're coming. I'm just telling you right now, you better get ready for it. They're coming. Ready or not, here they come because I am ready. I got a team up here that's ready. Are you ready for them to come home? If you are, I think somebody ought to get out of your seat and go ahead and show a, give a party in advance. I'm believing. I know it. I've been praying. I've been seeking. I'm believing. They are coming home. Amen, amen. So how are we going to do it? We got to pray as if we're the only ones praying. We got to keep this place clean. We got to keep our minds clean. There's a momentum that's here. You feel that? That's no accident. I've been to cities where they, could, they wouldn't be able to buy a baptism. Wouldn't be able to buy a guest at their church. That's the truth. Because the doors are shut. There's no spiritual authority. But when you see a baptism, that means doors have opened spiritually. People's hearts have been opened. The harvest is now ready. Everybody shout, it's ready. Amen. How many are excited about this? Praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, clap your hands and rejoice. We're ready. We're ready. We're believing. Amen. Amen. Brother Nehemiah, every believer should be doing everything they can to bring people and have them in the seats beside them. That's right. Every believer ought to become the church with people saying, hey, I want you to go to church with me. That's going to be powerful tonight. God can change your life. My dad tells a story of Timmy Stevens if I, as I come to a close. Timmy Stevens was a guy that was strung out in his world. He said, I'll never forget being waking up in a ditch and had no clue where I was. Timmy Stevens come to church one night. He said he was a burly looking guy. My dad was at that time just a Young usher at the door. If you feel a call to preach, come and usher. Love people. Get involved in the church. Sweep the carpets. 
Help take care of the parking lot. Get involved with the house of God. Can you say amen? My dad was shaking people's hands. and Timmy Stevens came in that night. and He welcomed. We're so glad to have you. He said, my name's, what's your name? My name's Tim Stevens. He went to the altar that night and repented. When he did, God saved him, delivered him from drug addiction. All the addictions of the world, God delivered him that night at the house of God. You know why that happens? Because the church expects it to happen. We should expect every service for guests to come in and find what they need from God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We, we really should believe that. Dad said the next night of revival, Timmy came back and he said, we're so glad to have you tonight. He thought I was a new guest. He had cleaned up so much he didn't even recognize him. A glow about him, a happiness about him. That's what church ought to be. One conversion at a time. One life being changed at a time. Come on, do you believe what we have is what the world needs? Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Amen. It's Wednesday night. Somebody shout, it's Wednesday night. But it's revival night. What do you need from God tonight? What do you need from God tonight? You think we've done all the praying we've done? All the seeking God and all the worshiping for you to leave the same way you've come? No, 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 no. Hallelujah. God knows where you're at and he knows what you need. I want every single person in the building, please, everybody would, I want you to come to the front stand on the altar with the pastor. Everybody. No one left behind. Ask somebody next to you, say, I want you to go with me. Pastor's not going to embarrass anybody. Come on, come as close as you can because a lot of people are coming behind. the church is to love people the way God loves people. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. Elder Melick, come stand with me. Elder, Elder Tom Melick, come stand with Pastor. Everybody shout the purpose of the church. I asked Sister Rebecca Christman. I said, I remember when you all first came on a Sunday morning. I preached a message on why we baptize in Jesus' name. He had been praying and seeking God about truth, about baptism, wanted to know more. He believed there was something about the name of Jesus. He believed there was more to baptism. Brother Christman came and I preached that day what he had been praying and seeking for. While we baptize in Jesus' name, I baptize him. I believe that very day. And his wife and his four of his five kids, because uh, Lord Ashland was just too young to get baptized. Later, years later, and I remember what I preached that night. I preached about the relationship of the angels with our prayer. I remember when I preached the service they came. That's very rare for me. I asked Sister Christmas later in life. I said, Sister Christmas, several years, several years later, I said, what brought you back to the anchor? And uh, I was sort of hoping she'd say something I'd preached, you know. It makes a preacher feel a little bit better, really. You know, she didn't even remember what I preached. I didn't care. Russell she said I felt the love of God she said I had to come back because of love of God that I felt there that should be the statement of everybody that graces this campus because I feel the love of God are we perfect we're not perfect but we're striving for perfection I believe the safest place in town should be the church place that people run to. Show me the church in the scripture where people run away from. I don't see it. Show me the temple where they run away from. I don't see it. They would run to the altar when they got in trouble. Everybody shout, I have a place I can go to. It's to my Father. Everybody in the room, I want you to lift your hands. God, we're praying that the love of God would shed abroad in our hearts tonight. Come on, I want you to pray. I want you to tell the Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Come on, would you do that? 
God, I don't want anything in me that's not of you. I want everything in me to be because of you. I want to bear strength. I want to have the power, the power to overcome the enemy because your love that's in me is so much greater than that which is against me. Oh God, the purpose of the church is to expect a place where prodigals can come home broken and bruised. God, I pray right now that there would be a moving of your spirit to settle upon this congregation of believers. Come on, everybody in the room, I want you to stretch your hands out. God, I pray everybody in the room would begin to feel what I feel right now. Your spirit speaking. Your hand upon their lives. Oh God, we're thankful. We're thankful for everybody, oh God. Lord, that has come here tonight. I pray that they would feel your presence. Run healing in your spirit. In Jesus' name. 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 In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand up here with me. Walk around the steps. I watched last, last Wednesday, powerful touch of God in your life. Give me your name again. Jimmy Tracy. Jimmy, could I tell you? God calls men like you that when they leave the Father's house, they go on a journey like the Good Samaritan. And they look and they find broken people. What some people walk past, you're moved to. Everybody say, he went where he was. That's right, he went to him. And he knelt down beside a guy that was broken, Jimmy. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to help you. I know exactly where to take you that you'll be healed. And he poured in oil and he poured in wine. Oil is used for healing. Wine is used for rejoicing. And we believe in every born-again Christian's life, Christian's life, there's going to be healing and then there comes rejoicing. There's healing and then rejoicing. Hallelujah. He's going to heal you so you can rejoice. Hallelujah. Sister Mealy, turn around and lay hands on Sister Lisa. Lisa Wine, lay hands on her. I feel healing in your spirit right now. God, go ahead and lay hands on her head. In the name of Jesus, there's healing. There's great victory. Trust is going to come all over your spirit. Hallelujah. Thank